the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. He's back in Buffalo. Yep, Damar Hamlin, the kid from Pittsburgh, who had a heart attack on the field in Cincinnati last week, was released from the Cincinnati hospital. That's great news. We still haven't heard what caused the heart attack, but Dr. Anthony Fauci took some softball questions from Major Garrett on 60 Minutes last night, including one about the horror of someone suggesting the vaccine could have caused it. In some of these instances, as you well know, Dr. Fauci, there is some shred of evidence myocarditis was related to vaccines. It is a heart issue. I'm not a doctor. You are. That's a shred right. of evidence. A very small shred, right. What, and, and explain how then this can get conflated. Of course. In a very, very rare case, some of the mRNA vaccines can cause a self-limiting almost invariably benign inflammatory response in the heart, which generally resolves in a very short period of time. It is very, very rare. When you compare that with the negative effects on the heart by myocarditis or pericarditis, which is inflammation of either the heart muscle or the covering of the heart, and heart failure and heart medical problems, Overwhelmingly, COVID itself causes that in a dramatically higher rate than the relatively benign, mild myocarditis that you might have with a vaccine, which is very, very rare. So that little thread of proof is that is it possible that he was vaccinated? And the fact is, someone came out, and I just read this. I haven't validated it, but I've read that some physician came out and made the incorrect statement that he had just vaccinated this football player a week earlier to to add to the conspiracy that he was recently vaccinated. And therefore, that's why he collapsed on the field. When if you look at the film, it's clear that he had a very big, strong person's shoulder go into his chest which clearly can cause a traumatic injury to the heart. And yet the conspiracy theory about this related to vaccine, you're right. It's spread all over. If there is one known case of the vaccine causing a heart attack, that is one more case uh, than there is of a heart attack being caused by anything that's ever happened on the football field in the history of the planet Earth. But that's Fauci's story, and he's sticking to it. When we come back, our Texas correspondent on the mess on the border and the big guys' trip down there. And in our second half hour, big win for girls and women who play sports in West Virginia. Stick around. The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data, you can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. 
From America's number one travel radio show, I'm Mary Carey, and this is your Robert and Mary World Travel Minute. La Jolla, California is a great year-round destination, in my opinion, as is most of Southern California with its sunshine and low humidity. You may associate the seaside community of La Jolla with its beaches, quaint shops, golf, fabulous restaurants, or Torrey Pines State Park. Well, here's another reason to visit, especially if you enjoy maps and all things cartography. The Map and Atlas Museum of La Jolla is a small but mightily curated museum open for guided tours, and frankly, you want the guided tours because the staff brings these maps to life with all kinds of rich stories and entertaining tidbits. The museum's roots stem from the private collection of its founder, Michael Stone. Michael hopes that what has now become a collection spanning 500 years of cartography will influence conversations in geography, politics, history, and just the sheer beauty of antique maps and atlases. Check out the Map and Atlas Museum of La Jolla next time you're in the area. And as always, for more travel info, connect with us anytime at rmworldtravel.com. And until the next time, happy travels. Hey, I'm Andy. I started Harry's because I was frustrated with buying razors at the drugstore. And when I say frustrated, I mean like so upset I called my friend Jeff. Hello, this is Jeff. Jeff, I'm at the store, and I don't get why these razors... Cost so much? Yeah, and do they need to look like robots? Ah, dude, I know. And it's so frustrating how expensive they are. Getting ripped off sucks. We gotta do something about this. Why don't we make our own high-quality razors at much better prices? Actually, I heard about this German razor factory that makes some really high-quality blades. Really? Okay, maybe that's not exactly how it went. But we did buy that German factory, where we're turning high-quality steel into super-sharp blades for a smooth shave at a great price. Seriously, as low as $2 per cartridge. Over the past 10 years, 20 million people have tried Harry's. Join them and get your starter set now. That's a five-blade razor, weighted handle, and shave gel, all for just 3 bucks with free shipping, backed by our quality guarantee. If you don't like it, it's on us. Just go to harrys.com now and enter code MODERN at checkout. That's harrys.com, code MODERN. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the big guy finally found his way down to the southern border yesterday after two years in the White House and, what, about 50 years in Washington, D.C., The governor of Texas uh, met him there with a letter and some advice. So how is it playing in Texas? Matt McCoviak of MustReadTexas.com is also the chairman, by the way, of the Travis County, Texas Republican Party. And he joins us now. Matt, good to have you on again. It's been a while. Yeah. Hey, John. How are you? Good. So um, the governor, Greg Abbott, has gotten some good coverage on the letter that he gave to the president. I guess he met him on the tarmac when he got off of Air Force One. So what's in the letter, and what are the chances of anything coming out of it? Yeah, look, I think the fact that that the president finally went to the border for the first time, not just as president, the first time in his public life, 
uh, is a recognition of two things. One, uh, obviously, the situation there is untenable, and it has become an urgent crisis. Uh, and second, it's a reflection of the reality that Republicans have taken the House back, and they're going to put a pretty significant amount of emphasis uh, on the crisis at the border, including uh, holding a hearing on the border, which will force congressional Democrats to actually travel to the border. Um, Look, this was a photo op. It was four hours on the ground in El Paso. Uh, I think they cleared out all the areas that had migrants in them, so he didn't see any anyone. He didn't see any illegal crossings, which is pretty hard to do if you're uh, in an urban area along the border. Um, you know, obviously, he probably received some direct feedback from elected officials, including the mayor of El Paso, Oster Leeser, who has declared an emergency over this issue, uh, as well as, I presume, uh, Border Patrol leadership and Border Patrol rank and file, who he would have met with as well. So, look, how's it playing? He went on a Sunday afternoon on a day on the last day of the NFL schedule. I think it was intended to get as little attention uh, as possible uh, on his way to Mexico. Uh, we'll see if uh, his bilateral meeting with uh, the president of Mexico yields any kind of announcements tonight or in the next few days. But, you know, unless he's willing to keep Title 42 in place, which the courts are now reviewing, unless he's willing to, recon- you know, to, to restart construction of the border wall, uh, unless he's willing to get serious, um, you know, then this is really just going to be about optics. I think in the end, he wanted to visit the border so he could say he has. Uh, and he put this proposal out about sending back migrants from four Central American countries after allowing 30,000 in each month, you know, every month from now on, uh, so that they can look like they have something that they're offering. You know, the Republicans are offering something and they're offering something and maybe the public won't quite know what to make of it. In the end, John, look, it's a crisis down there. It's affecting every aspect of life along the border. This isn't just about the border itself. It's not even just about the crime that comes with it. It's about how it affects, uh, puts pressure on hospitals and schools and social services and you name it, in all these communities along the border and even communities that are 100 miles inland because uh, these migrants don't just stay in those communities. They move north. Well, I, 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 didn't, I hadn't thought of the fact that, that, that he picked the day that the NFL season was coming to an end to show up down there. That, that, that's a, that was a good move. And this uh, this guy's pretty good at that. It was um, the Friday before Christmas on Sunday when they released the the uh, one point whatever trillion dollar omnibus bill. Seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, which so, specifically, John, which specifically uh, required that dollars in the bill could not be spent on enforcing laws along the border. It did have border funding in there, but that was really more for helping communities deal with the uh, migrant inflow rather than. Uh, increasing uh, enforcement and security efforts along the border. And that's a big part of the reason why so many conservatives in the House fought as hard as they did during the speaker vote, is they really felt like they got jammed on the omnibus, which I think I think very few Americans can look at that process and that product and, and have confidence uh, and, and positive feelings uh, about the, uh, the massive spending bill that Congress dropped on members of Congress with 12 hours to read a, a bill longer than the Bible. Yeah, this is another subject, but... I'm on the side of people who are wondering why it is that people got, uh, the, the, the media especially, but people in general, seem to get more upset about a big fight over the uh, speaker and the rules that were going to be put into the House, which I think was a, which was what it was about more than the speaker, actually. But, um, yeah. but they got more upset about that taking too long than they did about this trillion-plus-dollar pile of garbage that was sneaked in at you know 20 minutes before christmas eve uh that's what the people should and including the media that's what they should be upset about and as you said it included that little nugget in there about how could they put that what would be the purpose of declaring that we're not going to spend any money on the on uh, to, to um strengthen the border yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to understand, given how urgent it is down there. I think for a lot of Democrats in Congress and even in the White House the administration, they don't understand how serious it is. They haven't been down there. Uh, they think it's just, you know, right wing talking points when when it really is a crisis. Um, and anyone that's that lives down there, has been down there, uh, understands it. People who don't who haven't been down there don't understand it. Um, you know, it's real simple, John. If, you know, the media doesn't want to cover substance. Uh, in fact, what they want to do is, is they're basically wearing a blue jersey at this point. Mm-hmm. And so the more they can convey that Republicans are, you know, in chaos and irresponsible and unable to govern, uh, that's what they want to, you know, that's that's the message that they want to convey. You forgot um, racist. End, yeah, racist, you know, you yeah. name it. Um, but in the end, 
I didn't hear anyone, really not even Republican members of Congress or leadership or establishment figures, argue against the substance of what the holdouts were, were asking for. Uh, and in fact, uh, we're not going to have another omnibus like we did before. We're going to pass individual appropriations bills. I know that's a that's a unbelievable con- you know concept. What a concept! Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean they're going to pass individual appropriations bills and all twelve appropriations bills, which means those committees can do that work and get into it, and you know narrowly and deeply. Um, and and that Congress will have an opportunity to review what they do and and, and offer amendments on the floor. And that, I think that's going to be a very positive thing. Uh, in the end, why why do they not want to put money towards border enforcement? Uh, number one, I think it it would um, uh, get a grant credibility to the argument Republicans have making for a long time. So I think that's part of it. Uh, but the other part of it is, John, they want what they see as future Democratic voters to come in, and an amnesty follows every you know an amnesty push follows every major migration. They're talking now about Dreamers. Eventually, they'll expand Dreamers to include this group. That's what it's about. And yeah, but so you know, here's the thing. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but. I think everybody believes that, that that's why this is happening. But they came right out and said we're not going to – there's no funding allowed for to strengthen the border. And they can't come out and say, listen, we're doing this because we see these people coming over illegally as future voters. What what is their – what's the phony argument, at least, that they have to be giving some kind of a, a phony argument for why this is a good idea not to spend any more money on the border? Or is nobody asked that? Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question. You know, I think that generally the, the, the argument that they're making now is the way to solve the problem on the border for, from a Democratic perspective is to pass comprehensive immigration reform. Oh, yeah. Which, that, so, which, which fact, means let anybody more, in, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and in fact, I think White House officials over the weekend, uh, I forget who it was, one of them was on the Sunday shows saying that, uh, you know, the reason that we're having a crisis at the border is because of the Trump administration, which is, a, a, you know, appalling and ridiculous and, right. and really not serious. Um, you know, cross-border illegal border crossings were at you know a modern-day low in the in the Trump years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you may not like how he did it. You may not like everything he did, or maybe you did, maybe you do. But either way, you can blame Trump for a lot of things. You cannot blame him for the migration that we're seeing on the southern border. That's happening because the president announced he wasn't going to enforce border laws for a hundred days because he announced he's pulling back Title Forty Two and, and not taking all the other steps that he's taken. Uh, basically, what you have now is you have people who are entering illegally, and then they're making asylum claims. Uh, rather than using the asylum pro- uh, process through, through the legal process that's created. Number one, to make an asylum claim, you don't even have to cross the border. You can do it at any American consulate anywhere in the world, and it'll get adjudicated just like it would if you're in the United States. But number two, uh, you know, even if you want to uh, come, come to the United States to make your claim, well, you do it at a port of entry. You do it legally. Uh, you don't enter illegally. Uh, and honestly, I think we, we, could, we could end a lot of this stuff if we said you, anyone who enters illegally is permanently, and I mean permanently, yeah, uh, invalidated from from making a, a legal asylum claim in the future. Well, I mean, that would be a real easy way to end all this crap. They're doing the opposite. They're, they are yep. giving the impression that now's a pretty good time to just come over, you know, however you can get here. That's right. And that's why you're seeing this everywhere. You're actually seeing this with Cuban migrants in Florida, which is why Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has now uh, called up uh, his state guard. Uh, and that's a, that, that, I'm sure that's a bit of a, a controversial issue in South Florida, which has such a large Cuban co- community. But you have parts of Florida, including down the Keys, that have been overrun recently as well. So, look, at some point, um, you know, government has to respond to a crisis. And, you know, is there an opportunity for some kind of uh, bipartisan agreement? You had eight senators, including, I think, four Democrats, travel down to the border uh, uh, today to, to look at it, including the two Democratic senators from, from Arizona. So it's possible you could get some kind of bipartisan breakthrough, although right now, given how partisan D.C. is, it's a little hard to to see that happening. We're talking to Matt Makoviak. He's, uh, you can find him at mustreadtexas.com. He's also the chairman of the Travis County, Texas, uh, that's in Texas, Republican Party. Um, so back to where, back to Joe's trip, and you mentioned that he, where he went, but Abbott, I think, in the letter that he handed to him as he got off the plane, actually said, you avoided the worst spots. Yep. yep. Uh, and so he came right out and told him that. So there was a, a, a great split screen that I saw. Uh, I don't know where I saw it, probably on Fox. It showed El Paso, um, what it looked like on Wednesday, and then what it looked like on Thursday when the word got out that the president was coming. And they cleared out all the bums and all the, all the people who were living there in tents and living on the street and pooping on the street, doing all the things that they do. And it looked like a perfectly nice little street for the president. So... 
I mean, could it be, could it be more blatant than that? Yeah, it's pretty frustrating, isn't it? Um, if there's no problem, then why are they cleaning up the problem before yeah. the president yeah. arrives? I mean, it's just it's just the it's the height of hypocrisy. Um, and you know what's what's kind of interesting is you know Vice President Harris the first time she went to the border she went to El Paso as well. Mm-hmm. That was if I remember my memory is that was at least a year ago, uh, several, at least two years after she'd been named you know border czar or whatever that is. Uh, at that time when she uh, when she arrived in El Paso, El Paso was actually pretty in pretty good shape. It's only in the last three to six months El Paso has been overrun, which is why they've actually started busing migrants to other cities and why their their mayor has declared uh, an emergency. So I don't know why you go down to the border if you don't want to see the problem. I mean, again, it looks like it's a photo op. It looks like it's phony. I think most Americans see that. Uh, and you know, what matters far more than, than photo ops is what they're going to do. Are they going to take this seriously? Are they going to change course? Are they going to admit they've made mistakes? Is there a way to do this in a bipartisan way where you can get serious about the problem? That's all that matters. And I'm telling you right now, John, if, if we didn't have a Republican majority in the House, not only would the president not have gone to El Paso, but I don't think we would have had uh, any hope for things changing over the next two years. And I think we do now. I actually think the Homeland Security Secretary is likely to be impeached in the next six to nine months once they start these hearings and the facts start to come out. That would be good. So how was, the, how was this covered by the media in Texas? I guess you it know, depends it, on where you are. It does. It does a little bit. You know, I, I read some stories, and I read the USA Today story, which we share, which was uh, published in the El Paso Times this morning. Uh, read uh, another story by a statewide outlet called Texas Tribune. Um, you know, most of them were actually pretty reasonable and at least being fairly factual about the number of border crossings we're seeing, how it compares historically. But, you know, in the end, again, I mean, it's just a question of what are they going to do? And, and uh, I don't know that there was enough attention paid on the fact that this was a very carefully choreographed trip. It wasn't serious. Um, so, you know, is it, is it, look, it's always a positive thing that he does. He, does, he, goes, he goes somewhere and sees something. I wish he'd seen the full picture. Uh, but in the end, look, if he if he could have seen the picture without the press, I think he might have done that. In the end, he didn't want the press to see that picture. Like that's that's why they didn't do that. That's why they didn't do it. And, and that's a that's a pretty uh, discouraging and outrageous motiv- uh, motivation for for why you wouldn't see a real problem on the ground. And I I still don't think that the national non Fox news media TV anyway. I don't think they're they're they don't even treat the the border as a problem yet. Is this going to get them to? Be, is it going to his showing up there actually force them to talk about it? But are they going to they going to give it good coverage? I guess that's the question. Yeah, the only time that I can recall them starting to take it seriously was a few days was that a few weeks ago right before Christmas when it, it appeared that that revoking Title Forty Two was going to hit. Of course, the court stepped in, have issued a stay. Now they're going to rule. I think it's in April, might be a little later than April. So we're at least in a status quo situation. I mean, when you when you when you take Title Forty Two off off the board, that that that, that takes away their ability to. Uh, send people back, uh, you know, in, in quick succession. Uh, and that's where you're going to see, you know, biblical levels of illegal immigration far beyond what we've seen up to this point. So they were, the, the media was preparing to see that and, and to, uh, to, to uh, react to that and cover that uh, for a few days anyway. Um, I think they're going to have to care, cover, cover it when the con- uh, Congressional co- Committee goes down there, which I think will be in a few weeks. You just announced uh, Mark Green of Tennessee going to chair the committee. So, in the House. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to cover it more and more, mostly because Republicans are going to force them to cover it. Again, is there a breakthrough? Can the administration get serious? Are uh, they going to start to admit that they made a mistake and that, and, that, and that we have to do something? These are the questions that matter, and this is why elections matter. i got about a minute left, Matt. You're in Austin, not on the border. How is all this stuff playing there? Uh, you know, is it how much different is Austin from Pittsburgh? Neither one of us are on the border. Yeah. Um, well, what I would say is, um, you know, in Austin, it's it's less of an issue in terms of how it affects our city. It's more of an issue in terms of how it affects our state. Mm-hmm. And we do have a legislative session beginning actually tomorrow. Um, and you're likely to see it be a major focus. Of course, the state of Texas has spent billions, literally billions of dollars on Operation Lone Star, sending our own personnel down to the border, doing the job the feds have been unwilling to do. That program has gotten a lot of criticism, and I'm sure, you know, the Guard probably didn't expect and wasn't prepared to be down there for multiple years. Uh, so that's obviously not a, a long-term permanent solution, but it is a Band-Aid. It is a temporary solution until the feds get serious. i got 10 seconds. What about the Cowboys? Boy, I think we saw the, the real Cowboys yesterday. Um, they, you know, they, they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity, I think, going to perform <laughs> yeah, in that- the playoffs again. Yeah, that's that's kind of been their story. Hey, uh, always good to have you on. Hope to have you on again soon, Matt. Thanks.
Look forward. Take care. See you. Okay, that's Matt Makoviak. He's got Pittsburgh ties, and he's at mustreadtexas.com, and I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Biden in Mexico for a summit of North American leaders. The president meeting with the leaders of America's two closest neighbors, Canada and Mexico. Topics on the summit agenda include immigration, security, trade, and illegal drug trafficking. Elon Musk doesn't think he can get a fair trial in San Francisco. Bob Agnew with that report. Musk is asking a federal judge to shift a shareholder lawsuit trial to Texas. In a filing submitted late Friday, Musk's attorneys argue that negative local media coverage has biased potential jurors against him. They say news stories have personally blamed Musk for recent Bay Area layoffs at Twitter. Musk relocated his electric car company, Tesla, to Austin in late 2021. If a move is not possible, Musk's lawyers argue the trial be postponed until negative publicity around his purchase of Twitter has died down. Bob Agner reporting. This is SRN News. You know that your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. At Key City Capital, we know that as well and would like you to know about investments we believe can make sense in an inflationary environment. For more details, check us out at keycitycapital.com. Key City offers passive investments in cash-flowing real estate that can help offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. When prices rise, more couples and families further delay home ownership. Key City Capital owns thousands of rental units with attractive prospects for income and appreciation as more and more renters apply to live in their communities. Let the team at Key City Capital grow your wealth and diversify your investment portfolio. Connect with them today at keycitycapital.com or call 817-912-1569, 817-912-1569. Again, that's keycitycapital.com or call 817-912-1569, 817-912-1569. The Secular Crew sees a pivot from the president. But if your application is denied or you attempt to cross into the United States unlawfully, you will not be allowed to enter. So let's say this executive order, whatever it becomes, passes. This would be a success, folks. I mean, this until I see it, I don't believe it. But if it does happen to deal with unlawful entrance, of course you want to deal with that. Yeah, we're grateful. Yeah. Secular. Weeknights at 6, right before Brandon Tatum at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. Whose rulebook do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rulebook and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The Answer. Weather. Sun and clouds today, high 39, partly cloudy tonight, low 28. Clouds tomorrow morning, partly sunny by the afternoon, the high tomorrow at 41. Cloudy tomorrow night, low 30. Sun and clouds Wednesday, the high 45. Looks like rain on Thursday, the high at 52. Know how it really feels outside. AccuWeather's real field temps available at AccuWeather.com. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Steve Williams. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. 
Big win for girls and women who play sports in West Virginia. Last week, a federal judge upheld the Save Women's Sports Law that prohibits males from competing on female teams. There are now 18 states with laws that prevent the insanity. Matt Sharp is senior counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. He joins us now. Matt, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So the law was introduced, I guess, uh, back in March of 2021. What was ADF's involvement, and have you been involved since the beginning? Yeah, you know, so early on we saw after ADF filed our lawsuit in Connecticut when four young women there lost out on opportunities because two males were allowed to compete, we saw state after state taking up this issue, starting with Idaho and then West Virginia and other states followed. Um, and so we saw very early on this real appetite from legislatures to protect fairness in women's sports. Um, and then when West Virginia passed this law and it was challenged, um, we were able to intervene on behalf of a young woman, a college athlete there in the state who has benefited by this law. So we've been helping to defend it and to stand for fairness in women's sports. And the ACLU took up the case in West Virginia of a middle school I think it was a boy who wanted to compete for the girls' cross-country team. Is that right? That's right. And, and what was the ACLU's claim? Yeah, you know, they, they make the claim like they have in other places, that the moment a boy says that he's a girl, he ought to be allowed to compete on the girls' team. And what the court here did, listening to the experts, is saying that's simply not fair. Uh, we know that there's biological truth and that men have advantages over women um, in a variety of sports. And so the, the court looked at it and said, West Virginia has an interest in protecting women's sports. And if you have to allow, as the ACLU argues, a boy to play on the girls' team simply because he declares he's a girl, that's going to upend women's sports. And so the court upheld West Virginia's law, making clear that neither the Constitution or any other federal law prohibits West Virginia from protecting the integrity of its women's sports. Yeah, that's interesting for people. uh, This is a thing I came across just, I think I just saw it today. There's a website called Boys versus Women, boysvswomen.com. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I have. It's, a, it's stunning. Uh, just, it, it gives statistics on men, uh, women competing. It, just, it shows the times. Here's an example. Um, that, that, the tw- high school boys uh, finalists versus 2016 Olympic women's finalists. None of, and it sh- has all the numbers, you know, the times. For the uh, for the 100 meters, said so none of the women's finals performances met the qualifying time to enter the boys' competition. That's not one yeah, that's- woman made the would have qualified to run, but these guys want to go compete against the women. That's right. I think I saw another one on that same site that said something like the the world record for the women's 100 200 meter dash. I forget what it was. Like 200 high school boys beat that every single year. And so if a high school boy can beat the fastest woman in the world, what does that stand for for your average female athlete in West Virginia? She would be blown out of the water. And that's what we saw in Connecticut and these other places where this has happened. And that's why laws like West Virginia's and the 17 other states are so vital and why we're so encouraged to see the court uphold this law and recognize that our laws should reflect biological truth. Is it uh, is it kind of sad that it, that it, that's the ADF and uh, anybody has to take up the time to argue such a ridiculous, obvious uh, thing that's right in everybody's face, that it's just, yeah, I, it's just insane. Yeah, it, it unfortunately is. I mean, that, this is the story that we're hearing across the country where, you know, young women are, are stepping out onto the field and saying, why am I being forced to compete against a guy? Something that none of us would have ever imagined happening five years ago. Um, but this is unfortunately the world that the ACLU wants. And that's why Alliance Defending Freedom is going to be here to stand with places like West Virginia, to stay, stand with athletes like our clients in Connecticut who are standing for truth, standing for fairness, and making sure that women do not lose out on opportunities because of challenges that allow men on girls' teams. Men, uh, I mean, uh, ACLU, I, I would think, has some pretty smart people involved. They're not stupid people. Could they possibly actually believe what they're saying? Or is this, what, what is their motivation, do you believe? I, maybe that's an unfair question, but I just don't understand. They're, they're attorneys. They're, they're pretty smart people. It just seems the only object of their, uh, of their zeal to, to push this would be, they're, it's just evil. They just want to cause trouble. I think there's definitely an agenda, and that's why we're seeing even people that are on the other side of the political aisle 
um, radical feminist groups that perhaps once supported the ACLU are coming out and saying they've lost their way because they recognize the ACLU is not standing for these opportunities that these young girls are losing. Um, and, and it's been organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom that have stepped up to do that. And so we've seen this incredible coalition of, of people on the left, people on the right, people with no political affiliation that are all saying this is wrong to allow men on girls' teams. This is wrong to strip our daughters of these opportunities, these championships, having their records taken away by males competing in their categories. All of this is unfair. It's, it has no place in our law, and that's why they're supporting things like what West Virginia and these other states are doing, and they're supporting the work of ADF to make sure that fairness in women's sports is preserved. Now, does this law that's, uh, that, that just was uh, – the, the judge ruled that it was okay on Thursday, upheld by the judge last Thursday – does this law and did the judge have to get involved in defining what a woman or a girl is? Is that part of the argument in any every one of these cases? Yeah, that, that was absolutely part of it. And there was an important part where the judge recognized that a, a transgender girl, a boy that identifies as a girl, is a biological male. Uh, because that is the truth of all of this. That is West Virginia's interest, that they are trying to protect fairness for women's sports. And that means you have to make determinations of who is male and who is female, because we know from science that males have undeniable advantages. A comparably fit and trained male athlete is going to outperform a comparably fit and trained female competitor. And so when the judge looked at all of this, looked at the evidence, listened to the expert reports, he came to the conclusion that all of us know to be true, that men have advantages, and West Virginia can say, if you are biologically a male, you can compete on a male's team, you can compete on a co-ed team, but you cannot compete on a girls' team. You are not eligible, and that's all this law was doing. And th- now the law has to state, the, the, the law in West Virginia, and now, the, as you said, there are 18 states, the fact that there, you even have to have a law to state that instead of the other way around. It's, 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 it's such an obvious thing that uh, are you going to have to go through 50 states to, to make this go away? You know, one of the arguments we're making in our Connecticut case is that Title IX, the the federal law that guarantees equal opportunities for female athletes, is violated by a policy like Connecticut, is violated when you allow a man on a woman's team. Because if you're doing that, if you allow men on women's team, then you are taking away those opportunities for women. Our ultimate hope is that maybe we get a, a ruling from the Supreme Court saying that it violates Title IX, it violates federal law, to allow men on women's teams. And then we get a ruling that truly protects a, a young woman no matter where she lives. Because it shouldn't be that young women in, uh, in West Virginia and Florida and other states that have passed this um, have opportunities that those in California or, or other states that refuse to pass these common sense protections, um, those young women should not be denied those opportunities. So we hope one day we'll get a clear ruling from the Supreme Court that no woman should ever be denied an opportunity, should ever lose out a spot on the team to a man. Well, what's the ACLU's next move then on, on just in the on, in the case of the West Virginia law? Yeah, I think that's still to be determined if they're going to appeal. Uh, but we're going to continue to stand with West Virginia and, and young women across the country defending these laws. Um, we're involved in other lawsuits on this issue. Like I said, in Connecticut, in Idaho, we're helping to defend their law um, and in other states as well. And we're going to continue to stand for this issue because this is not just about sports. It's, it's much bigger. It's about truth. It's about what it means to be male and female. And we know that this has impact far beyond sports um, in a young woman's life. It in, impacts her, her future development, opportunities she may have. And that's why we are standing for truth, standing for reality, and standing for fairness in women's sports. And it's about sanity. Uh, what, what, what about the argument that this is a solution looking for a problem because of the rarity of these kinds of cases? That You, you get that from the other side. They say that it's a, a much ado about nothing because it just doesn't come up that often. Yeah, you know, they say that, but then at the same time, we see whether it's West Virginia, Connecticut, or Idaho, where it happens. Um, and it seriously only takes, you know, one or two males to completely di- disrupt women's sports. Connecticut's a great example of the two males that were allowed to compete in the women's track and field division. Between them took 16 championships, over 15 records that they broke that previously belonged to young women, and over 80 instances where a woman lost a spot on a team or was denied the chance to advance to the next round of competition. And that was just two guys competing in Connecticut. And so we see very clearly how it only takes one or two instances for this to completely disrupt and, and deny women equal opportunities in sports in a state. And so you multiply that times 50 states. We see that this very much is a problem. It's why it, uh, we've seen 18 states take steps 
protect it and make sure that it doesn't happen in their state because a woman that's denied that championship or has her record broken, she can never get that back. And that's why we need to stand for fairness in sports today. We're talking to Matt Sharp. He's the senior counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. And uh, last Thursday in West Virginia, a federal judge upheld the Save Women's Sports Law that prohibits males from competing on female teams. Is this is this the most fertile ground for um, a legal argument to stand in the way of the so much of the transgender insanity that's out there? No, I think it's I think it's one of many. I think this one resonates with a lot of people because so many parents and grandparents have young daughters that play sports. They know how these young women were waking up early, 5 a.m., to, to go out and, and run an extra mile, to, to do that extra time in the gym, just to shave a fraction of a second off their time. They know the work that these young women are putting into it and how unfair it is the moment a male is allowed to compete. But we're starting to see these arguments pop up in other places when it comes to privacy and student restrooms and locker rooms. In fact, we saw a great victory out of Florida uh, just last week as well regarding a school district there that had a policy that said, we're not going to allow males into female locker rooms and restrooms. And that was upheld by a court. So I think we're starting to see these arguments pop up more and more and see courts rule in favor of good policies that protect fairness, that protect privacy, and that recognize that there are differences between boys and girls and that there's times when those differences matter when it comes to privacy, when it comes to safety, when it comes to fairness in sports. I think this is part of a bigger movement that's happening of trying to restore a proper understanding of what it means to be male and female and recognize there are times when that matters and that our laws demand that we recognize and celebrate the differences between males and females. But the federal government is fighting that at every turn, isn't it? Absolutely they are. You know, they, they, uh, Biden administration has weighed in on a lot of these cases on the wrong side, weighed in and against laws like West Virginia's and other states that have passed this. And I think that's really troubling that our federal government, the, the very government that should be upholding opportunities for women, that should be ensuring that they're not denied this, has now turned against women, has now turned against fairness in sports and other opportunities. Um, but I think it shows that the courage of states when they're standing up to this, um, standing up to the federal government and reclaiming their proper role in protecting fairness and opportunities for women in their states. And here's the thing, uh, Matt, I, I, Joe Biden, I don't, I don't think he's all there, first of all, but that's another issue. But, you know, watching this guy through the years, he, he's, he's a man's man, if, if, if anything. And he likes sports and he likes fast cars and he just seems, seems like a man's man. So, and I just think that if he, if he found out that a, a man was walking around, parading around naked in his granddaughter's locker room, he'd want to punch him right in the mouth. He doesn't believe this, that that's the good thing for one second. I mean, that's just me, you know. That's Yeah, I, I, I think the sad part with a lot of this is a lot of people don't think through some of those consequences like you've described. They don't think through what it means when you have a policy that says a boy that identifies as a girl can get access to all girls' facilities that, like you said, that impacts young women's privacy. That impacts their ability to compete in sports and win. That impacts so many things, even getting into free speech rights of forcing people to use an accurate pronoun. Oh. And I think once you sit down with people and start walking through all of this and say, let me tell you what it means when we deny biological reality, what consequences it has for young women, for teachers that are, we've represented some that have uh, been faced with losing their jobs because they say, don't force me to speak in an accurate pronoun. Don't force me to say something I don't believe is true. The consequences are dire. And that's why we're seeing more and more Americans stand up on this issue push back against the gender ideology and say, this is not going to happen in our schools. This is not going to happen in our states. We're going to restore reality, restore truth, um, and recognize that it is okay that there are different opportunities for men and women. In fact, it's great because it has provided so many benefits to young women over the years. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see more and more support for policies like West Virginia's. Talking to Matt Sharp, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. Matt, this has, this has made its way into the military. How, that I mean, when the military is now considering, I think it was the Marines are considering no longer using sir and ma'am because it might re, uh, result in the misgendering of someone. If it's gone that far, it's just it's permeating everything. 
but it's 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 being promoted by a small minority of people who refuse to look at as you said reality but how how has it gotten this far yeah i think the sad part is we've seen organizations like the aclu and others that are pushing this agenda um that are doing it and and it's really troubling because these are organizations that used to stand for free speech, that used to stand for some of these principles, and now they seem to have turned on them. Um, but they're the ones that are going after teachers and others that say, don't force me to use an inaccurate pronoun. Let me speak biologically accurate pronouns when I talk to, to individuals. And I think that's uh, a, a real disservice to our constitutional rights, um, to the cases that have said the government can't force you to speak something, to believe something that you disagree with. And yet we're seeing, like you said, these small activist groups, these radical groups pushing this agenda in our schools. They're pushing it in our military. They're pushing in our sports programs in so many places. And that's why whenever these battles come up, we can't just sit back. I know it's very easy, and and we've had this with some of the the families that we've worked with in these cases. They say, look, do I really need to stand up? It's going to cost a lot. And we say, "We, we understand that. We know it's difficult to stand up against the media and all of this, the federal government that's working against you. But when you do, you can get a victory. And I think the great example is this case in West Virginia with our client, Lainey Armistead, you know, a young woman in college that stood up and said, West Virginia is doing what's right, and I'm going to stand with them as they do so. And so she intervened in the lawsuit, and because of the courage of her and other young women like that, we are getting these victories. We are changing hearts and minds. We are changing the culture, and we are taking a stand for reality. Um, again, we're talking to Matt Sharp, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Matt, I don't. I probably should know this, but I don't. I don't know where Pennsylvania stands right now on this. Do you? Uh, so I know there's been legislation uh, yeah, been yeah. introduced in Pennsylvania the past couple of years. I don't think it's passed yet, um, but I know it's had some good votes and some good support. And so maybe this victory um, will will provide some additional motivation for the legislature there to take a stand. You know that this impacts. Uh, obviously, you have the story out of Pennsylvania of, of Leah Thomas. Um, and the yeah, women yeah. that lost out on opportunities because of that. And, and hopefully, as more and more of these stories come up, rather than the legislature sitting back, that they will take uh, the right stance and make sure that these situations do not continue to happen in Pennsylvania. What would happen if a coach saw a team show up with a, a male to run track against his girl's team, and he just said, well, we're going home. We don't, we're not racing against him. He just left. Yeah. What would there yeah, be any I mean, legal? I, I mean, that, that would be the, that would put an end to it like immediately. But people don't have the guts to do that. But would there be any legal problem with him doing that? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things to consider. There. I think one is, I, it would be sad, but I could see that coach getting fired because of him taking a stand for truth and reality. We, we've seen that with some of these teachers and other school staff that refuse to bend the knee to gender ideology to try and stand for what's right, um, and they risk losing their jobs. In fact, we we represented a. A teacher in Virginia that spoke out against a policy at his local school dealing with gender identity, a policy that would have denied parents from knowing that their child is dealing with gender identity issues, that would have required teachers to lie to parents about a child's struggle with gender dysphoria. And this teacher stood up, and, and he risked losing his job for it. And so I, I understand the, the challenge of a coach or someone else standing up to this. But I think the second thing is I never want a young woman to have that sense for her to spend weeks and weeks and weeks training for a tournament and show up only to find that she's going to have to compete against guys and they have to withdraw. Um, I think that's a huge disservice to these young women and why they ought to stand firm and they ought to say, we demand that our legislature pass laws that protect our fairness in women's sports because we should never be forced to face that choice of, of do we compete and put our, our safety on the line, uh, especially if it's a sport that maybe there's some contact elements to it, um, or do we back down? And I don't think any young woman that has spent years and years and years honing her athletic abilities should be forced to face that choice. Hey, Matt, I'm out of time. I appreciate you coming on. The, uh, it's the Alliance, it's Alliance Defending Freedom, and uh, good work. And I'm glad you won one in West Virginia. hope you keep winning. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, that's Matt Sharp. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating but here's some great news if you miss the december 7th deadline for open enrollment it's not too late here's something that can really help it's metashare 65 plus metashare is a community of christians who share each other's health care bills it's people who encourage and pray for each other too 
MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 855-SHARE-44. That's 855-SHARE-44. 855-SHARE-44. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, just finishing up on the stupidity of women having to compete against men, girls having to compete against boys. I say this all the time, and I kind of got into it there with Matt, but the coach just saying, well, I'm, I'm pulling my team off. Uh, we're not competing. I'm not making these girls who work this hard have no chance to win. This, it's You know, it's a sport, okay? And it's supposed to be every sport you can think of that makes any sense is set up in a way that you have an equal you everybody has an equal chance or as close to an equal chance of winning that's why major league baseball is a joke because of the the disparity in the economics it's not supposed to be that way that's why i have no patience for it but it, you you don't have in high school football you don't have schools with an enrollment of 600 kids playing against a school with an enrollment of 2000 they have different classes and Nobody would put it, put up for it with it for one second if they started making the small the smaller enrollment schools compete against the, the top enrollment schools and have them get beat eighty five to nothing every week. Nobody would put up with it for two seconds. So anybody who knows anything about sports knows that this is ridiculous. And so that's why my solution is: if you are an individual athlete, a girl and you, a, a boy shows up for your swim meet, and you see him lining up there, and you know there's no chance you can beat him, you leave, and everybody follows you. And you let the kid jump in the pool and swim by himself, maybe throw in some nice toys for him to play with while he's in there, but there ain't going to be a race as long as we're doing this because you need two to have a race, and he can race by himself. Just figure it out. Maybe it'll happen one of these days. I'll talk to you tomorrow. John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.